giant robot smashing into other giant robots. So, um, what brings you to the podcast today? <laughs> what, well, Ben. What is it, would you say, what you're doing here? Uh, what does bring me to the podcast? Uh, well, as we touched on, and by touched on, I mean talked about it for like an hour last week, uh, I'm going to be handing over the reins of these giant robots and let you smash them. Yes, and you're going to be leaving ThoughtBot, Correct. which we're all very disappointed about. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I assume you mean that in like the we'll miss you way, as opposed yes. to like you are a disappointment. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. no, that, no, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Both, maybe. Um, yes, that is true. So I, I will have a new podcast. A new podcast by the time you hear that, <laughs> this exists. Uh, and I'll tell you what that is later, but I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait. Oh. I don't want it to overshadow. Like, wow. The name is, I'm pretty proud of the name. Derek came up with it. I think it's pretty good. So I'm going to, I'm going to tease it now and then I'm going to deliver it later. Okay. Good. But Ooh. yeah. So, um, you are going to be in the captain's chair as, as we call it every week. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've hosted the podcast, you know, a few times while you were out or away or traveling or that kind of thing and couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And that was back when it was more of an interview format. Mm-hmm. So I think that my my goal is to bring that back a little bit, but try to also move beyond the sort of traditional interview, two dudes talking kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not that the podcast lately has been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that the focus on products was a really nice change. And the focus with you and Chris and then you and Derek and some other people slotted in as well. Mm-hmm. Like that was a, a nice flow and we did it because we needed a change. Like you were, mm-hmm. the, the old format was a little tired. Um, so I don't want to just go back to that, but I do want to go back to more about the business of what it is we do at ThoughtBot because mm-hmm. the products and that kind of stuff are only a small portion of what we do. Mm-hmm. So going back to more talking about the technology that we use, the projects we're working on, um, the interesting people we meet, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have a background in entertainment going, going back many years. <laughs> that is, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I have a degree in theater. <laughs> I didn't as know that well was your degree, really? Computer science. That's amazing. Yeah, I double majored. Which one did you, did you do, start both at the same time? I started computer science. Okay, and you're like, this and is... then I was doing so much theater that I realized that I could add the major mm-hmm. and not have to do too much more work. Hmm. So you were you've trained for years I'm to host this trained. podcast. Yes. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> you have a degree in what you're about to do. Yeah, and then we started the sketch comedy group. bunch of me and a bunch of the other people who started Thoughtbot actually started the sketch comedy group. Before that, we were in an improv group together. Then. Mm-hmm. And you're expecting to do some sketches on the show, right? Oh, we're doing one now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this, this whole thing has been a bit. Yeah. I'm actually not leaving ThoughtBot. <laughs> Psych. Were there other ThoughtBotters? John. Was John was in the... Okay. Yeah. There were other people who were the founders of ThoughtBot along with us. Gotcha. But they all moved on. Mm-hmm. Like some other people. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe on a future episode, we'll follow up with those people. There you go. Where are they now? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I could be followed up with as well. I'm happy to come on in. I know the way to the office. <laughs> yeah. You let me know. Uh, where are you going to be working? I, well, so I don't know yet. I did actually go on a tour of a co-working space the other mm-hmm. day, and it was kind of a horrible sales experience. <laughs> it was like a perfect 
bad. It was no ballroom dancing is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it was like the opposite. And the biggest contrast was like how much time the ballroom dancing folks spent understanding what I wanted mm-hmm. and focusing on that. And the people at this co-working space did not. So uh, it started on their website, which had annoying form validations, mm-hmm. where it was like they wanted me to enter the time in hour, hour, minute, minute. <laughs> And so I was like, okay. and so, and so at first, so I, you, like, if you were going at like, so I wanted to go at like, yeah, three something, you, yeah, and they, and so I was like, well, it's twenty four hour time, right? Well, so that's what I thought. Okay, and so I was like, oh, hour, hour, okay, well, I'll be there at three. I guess that's fifteen thirty. As I put that in there, like, please enter a valid time. And so I was like, oh, uh, three thirty, and then oh, and then I realized there was an AM PM drop down, and so I was already annoyed, and so I was like, oh, but I finally got it to accept the time I wanted to come take a tour. And they responded back pretty quickly, which was good. But the response was, hey, Ben, I just got your information. Thanks for submitting that. What time would you like to come in for a tour? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm a little surprised you're asking. And, and, and it, she, her response to me included in the email body my responses yeah. to the form thing. It was like right there. And I was like, I'm surprised you're asking because it's right there. I want to come in at 3.30. And she's like, oh, sorry, my apologies. Yeah, that's fine. Come in at 3.30. I was like, okay, well. I basically wanted to cancel at that point. Right. Honestly, like, I was, was kind of yeah. like, your website wasn't was pretty bad, and then your follow up was pretty bad. Like I'm already, you're already on my, yeah, my probable no and list. And we've we've been so w- with all the different studios we have, we have been in lots of different co working spaces. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's just an office. So what actually makes the difference is the administrative people and their services. Yeah. That's that's really what makes the difference and what makes a good versus bad going space. Every once in a while, we end up in a place where something about the office also stinks. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have a ceiling and you can... <laughs> <laughs> no ceiling? No ceiling on our office. Outdoor offices. Yeah, not outdoor, but in like in a larger space, but our room has no ceiling. And so, <laughs> so an opening it's just in- walls. <laughs> yes right you wouldn't even yes but the issue was none of the spaces had ceilings they were in it was like in a warehouse where they had built little offices in Mm -hmm. right okay and so everyone could hear everybody else in all their offices that's my nightmare yeah so my evaluation criteria is a little a little different Mm -hmm. in that community is kind of the most important thing to me Mm -hmm. i expect to not really use the administrative parts of it or like the like we have printers you can use like cool whatever um and so i was thinking okay they seem pretty incompetent so far, but maybe I'm going to go there and, and the people that are there are amazing. Yeah. So, for example, you get lots of packages here, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So you need I, some, I like, I apartment. assume that's going to keep on happening at the co-working space? No, they're going to keep coming here. <laughs> <laughs> this is close to my house. I, I need this. Don't take this away from me. So you need uh, an admin person. Sure. To, like, the reception people need to be able to competently receive packages for you and be like, yeah, that person, Ben Oregstein, right. that doesn't, that yeah. is, I don't know who that is. No idea. Right. Yeah. Right. I think he was here at 1530 <laughs> a few days ago, but I'm not clear. I, I, I would hope that receiving packages is a, uh, a, 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 core, <laughs> like a core competency. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so then I was already like, I basically was already a no, yeah. but I was like, mm, I guess I'll go check it out. And so I did. And I get there and they're like, I'm like, hi, I'm Ben. And they're like, who are you here to see? And I was like, I don't remember. They're like, oh, hmm, hold on a second. And I'm like, okay, fine. They're like, oh, you're here to see somebody. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And she's in the office, like just a few feet away. It's like, I'll be right with you. I'm just finishing an email. And I was like, okay. I mean, I suppose emails can wait, but whatever. I'll just stand here. And she kept me waiting for a while. And I was like, like, it just kind of kept 
yeah. going and I can see her right there and I'm like standing right here and it's like pretty awkward. And so I started wandering into the space. So I was like, I guess I'll give myself a tour. And I went and grabbed some some water and was kind of, oh, and they, yeah, they didn't offer me any water. It was like mm-hmm. no like, hey, would you like anything or can I get you? Do you need to know where anything is? It was just like mm-hmm. no hospitality. Mm-hmm. So then finally she finishes and comes and gets me and she asked me one question, which is, so you're looking for some co-working space? And I was <laughs> like... <laughs> no. No, no, actually. I'm not. Oh, I'm sorry. This <laughs> actually, is Actually, co- that's what you should have said because then it would have been over right there. You wouldn't have to <laughs> right, deal with it. Exactly. Anymore. And I was like, how many times do I have to reconfirm the information that I've submitted on that form? And I was like, yes, I'm looking for some co-working space. And she's like, great. And so then her spiel is like 100% non-tailored. Mm-hmm. It's clear, like, she like we walk from here to here, I mentioned this thing, we walk from here to here, I mentioned this thing, and she's talking loudly, and there are people working <laughs> oh, right next to her. that's nightmare. It is my worst nightmare. And I was like, are people working? Should we be like... And she's like, yeah, and this over here is the co-working area, and I'm like, we're next to a person who's trying to work. So, pretty bad experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, well, this is, this is a no at every level. I couldn't imagine... Mm-hmm. saying yes to any part of this so but you looked at other spaces but you haven't decided yet yeah i did i went to work bar the other day and they actually work bar and the uh, cic mm-hmm. which used to stand for the cambridge innovation center and now it doesn't because they have lots of locations right which is one of those classic like don't put a specific thing mm-hmm. in your name yeah and so both of those are really good and so yeah. those are my front runners at this point so that's what I have been up to mostly. And also just winding down things. I have a surprising number, of, maybe not surprising up to this long, but there's a lot of accounts with stuff under them. Like my ThoughtBot Heroku account has a bunch of personal things have crept into there and a bunch of things I've signed up for that are going to the ThoughtBot email and such. Yeah. So I'm trying to wind that down. Uh, any other like surprises about leaving? <laughs> Yeah, I heard something about my paycheck not coming in anymore. I just wanted to double check that that's not that's that not is, accurate, right? Yes, that is that is accurate. Oh, uh, accurate, accurate. You fixed the glitch. Yeah, we fixed the glitch. Huh? Okay, that's that's really too bad. I wish I'd known that earlier. <laughs> I wish I had known that I'd stopped getting paid when I quit. <laughs> if I didn't come in anymore, you know that wasn't really spelled out in the handbook. In the- <laughs> I'm gonna open a pull request while I still have while I'm still on the GitHub team. We do have a leaving the company page, but it doesn't say you won't be paid anymore on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I have grounds for at least some sort of lawsuit here. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> right? Like In our litigious culture, then. That's right. I could find some jury to sympathize with me. I'm a sympathetic character. I registered a domain last night. Oh, yeah? Which is always like the best part of any project. <laughs> I want to keep hosting a podcast with Derek. And uh, that podcast is going to be called The Art of Product, which Derek came up with. I mm-hmm. think that's pretty good. Yeah. So is it, it's not taken. It's not taken. Oh, yeah. And so we, well, artofproduct.com is, but yeah. so we are artofproductpodcast.com. Yeah. And there's no podcast called The Art of Product. So that's, hmm. uh, that's us. We claim it. I claim it as of now. There's no like famous book called The Art of Product. No, I, like I Googled that. it. It was, okay. like, right. it was like one blog post or, you know, it's like yeah. no one's sitting on that. So Derek apparently had said he's like been considering that brand for a while. It's like mm-hmm. been in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. So we're going to cash in on that right now. So it's the art of the art of product or just art of product podcast.com. Uh, uh, no, the, okay. Both were available and, and we, dro- we dropped yeah. the, the. Well, you got to register both now. <sighs> you maybe. <laughs> art of product, I think is unused, but taken. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll see if we can spend yeah. a few million on yeah. that or, you know, whatever I tip my, I, I've uh, said too much. Yeah. <laughs> A few dollars. So, what are you going to host it on? 
So Simplecast, I think. Yeah. Although there's some basic, like we we went we went to put like an email capture on the so like they have like they do yeah. a site generator for you basically like mm-hmm. here's your website, but the there's no way to put like a drip form on there or something that that we saw. Yeah. So now I feel like we're like a little not stuck, but it's like I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so Simplecast has been good. There's also Fireside FM. Oh yeah, is that Dan? That's Dan Benjamin's, Benjamin's thing, and uh, I haven't used it, but I think it's pretty good. Hmm. You might check into that. Yeah. You can also use Squarespace, that kind of thing, too. Oh, yeah. You can host a podcast on Squarespace. That makes sense. And the nice thing about that is that I don't know how well it works for podcasts, but people use it. Mm -hmm. And then you have full customization over the code. So, like, you could drop a drip thing on the page there. It's funny. I was talking to Edwin about, like, doing some design work for some things, like sites Mm -hmm. I want to spin up. And he's like, just use Squarespace. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. He's like, it's actually surprisingly good. Yeah. Like when I hear CMS, it's kind of like makes my skin crawl a little bit because I like a lot of control generally, but I, I, I have a hunch. It's, it's like, he's like, you probably don't need fully custom things. You can just use right. their stuff and it's good. Yeah. Do we turn people away and tell is them? Is this a square? Is this? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you to <laughs> Squarespace. <laughs> Sign up today at I talk- <laughs> squarespace.com slash giant robot. <laughs> yeah, for 0% off. <laughs> I joked with Jankowski that we should just do ad reads for large brands on yeah. the show and then send them an invoice. Right. For like, they won't know. Yeah, they won't know. Especially Squarespace. They sponsor so many podcasts. Right. They'll just assume someone, they screwed up. Right. And they owe us 10 grand or whatever our standard rate is per show. <laughs> per show. Per show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> we need to work on our, we're going to raise our prices. Yeah. That's my first, first ever business. Yeah. And then we're, so we're going to do that uh, hosting TBD, but almost certainly going to use podcast motor for all the other bits like the mm-hmm. editing and the posting and all that mm-hmm. which is nice it's like basically you can get it so you just record and then drop it in dropbox and then the rest of the things they do show notes editing transcripts if you want to pay for it yep um which m- maybe we will but it's pretty pricey it's pretty pricey we've looked at it before and yeah. it's like i mean this is like episode 200 and whatever mm-hmm. 40 oh it's it's louder yeah uh, yeah, and it's $60, $70 or something like that to do the transcript. Yeah. So you add that up, it's really expensive. Yeah. Which is a shame because it would be nice. It feels like the kind of thing where you want it. Like, it'd be nice for accessibility. It'd be nice for indexability. It'd right. just be nice in general. Right. And the fact that it's so expensive is, is tough. Yeah, I would love to do transcripts. I might, I don't know, maybe we'll do a couple and kind of... It'd be interesting to see, like, okay, if we do a handful of episodes that have transcripts, do we end up to those? I don't know. What, mm-hmm. How would you test that even? I don't know. Intuitively, it feels like it might be worth it. Like, if you want, like, discoverability. It's like, if you you want to show up in search results for yeah. things that you're talking about, it's like every podcast is effectively an enormous blog post. Yeah. So, I don't know. It might be worth the marketing. And then I think the biggest benefit is at the end, you can say, for a transcript of this episode, mm. write and then have an address. Uh, write an ad <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah mail me a postcard right. yeah that's perfect i had a, a friend who he was a very sort of a luddite mm-hmm. and we registered plaintextblog.com for him and he would update it was just like a, literally a single text file served <laughs> on that thing it was like uh-huh. blog.txt and he would update it every so often and it was like to leave a comment <laughs> mail your comment too and then it was my home address uh really yeah did you, anyone ever do that? No one ever oh, okay. commented. It was, he didn't. He wasn't very good at what marketing. What was the plan for if someone did? You were going to type it I in? I would type it in. <laughs> I'd say, like, you know, Reader John comments. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was a great idea in a certain sense. 
I think this could be a big idea now. It's like hipster retro blogging. Yeah, totally. Any um any like regrets from your time here? Like things you wish you had done? That's a good question. That you didn't get to accomplish. I guess I feel like when I was here earlier on, mm-hmm. I was more involved in trying to shape the company. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I did more to contribute to the culture or like cared more about like commenting on handbook PRs and like making sure processes were good or like yeah. complaining about things even just like bringing it up in mm-hmm. uh, meetings and such and I think I did a lot less of that as time went on and I don't know if that contributed to feeling less connected or if I felt less connected and so I did less of that but I'm I sort of missed that feeling yeah so I wouldn't declare like your time and the the position of product manager and and, and overseeing all the products a failure mm-hmm. but that is the biggest issue with it i think is that you're not part of everything else that's happening at exactly that yeah it became this increasingly isolated thing mm-hmm. um, and at first we were a lot like we we're all working on products or not all of us but like a bunch of us and that just like dr- dr- dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped i think in part because we realized that if we wanted to run it as a successful business we couldn't just throw unreasonable amounts of time at it right they were making that much revenue right. and so we can't put six people on it right. profitably yeah it felt like sort of increasingly over time it was like I- i'm doing this thing over here and no one else is doing it and it's like a small as a, as a small percentage of the total revenue and so like it's, even if we yeah. doubled again uh like we we doubled in 2016 i think it was mm-hmm. product revenue it's still like okay now we're but we also doubled the rest <laughs> of the business <laughs> right too. exactly which is more a, than more than doubled sure yeah so it's like so what's it's, it's even smaller when, part of the pie when in like 2011 or something like that mm-hmm. product revenue i think was eight percent of thoughtbot's revenue mm-hmm. which is you know a pretty small percentage but big you know relatively speaking mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not quite sure what it is now but it's lower than that percentage wise yeah and so i think figuring out ways where we can do products well because i think we do products pretty well but in a way that when they start to get serious they don't then become this isolated thing yeah we haven't figured that out yeah. i think it would be less of an issue if serious also meant super successful sure <laughs> because if if a product was super successful then it would start getting its own team you know it it would have all this infrastructure around it you know who knows what would happen mm-hmm. but in the absence of that it's hard yeah and my guess is the absence of that is the norm like yep. most products don't just take off i think right. like generally you have a slow like a SaaS business is a slow growth thing right. this is actually something one other like i guess kind of regret that i brought up in my exit interview was there was no one here on the product thing that i felt like i could really lean on mm-hmm. like a more experienced person so when i was learning like when, when i was like bringing up my ruby skills there were a bunch of people where I was like, oh my gosh, these people are awesome programmers. I'm learning stuff every week. Every time I get a code review, I have like new skills. Mm-hmm. And I just like felt like I was getting better and better. And the product stuff, I didn't really have that. And so it was very much on me to improve my own skills and then try to bring that to the products, Yeah, which worked some. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely a lot better at it than I was. And I've grown a lot in that way. But I almost wish, like I wish there had been at least one person that I could like kind of have as a resource basically here. Yeah. I was thinking about the like if we've been able to find somebody and bring them in and like put me under them so I could like kind of be mentored by them that might have been something that would have worked except you were asking for the position <laughs> I know and like I, I, yeah I like simultaneously wanted it but was also like 
I, I'm just trying to figure this out as I go. Right. Um, Which that's mostly how it works, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you. Oh, I, I like, guess so. Like I have people that I can talk to or whatever, but mostly just figuring it out. Yeah. And it can be isolating or, yep. you know, you feel like you, you don't. And so I think it's an area to be improved, but it is also when you're doing something new or unproven, there is a certain amount of that, I think. Mm-hmm. And for us, we do a lot of things that are not very traditional. So even things like products, which it's not an unproven thing. Like people build SaaS products, they grow them, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit unique to do it within the context of a company like ThoughtBot. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot in the past about how not having the constraints of, and you've talked about it on the podcast with Derek too, like there's a safety net at ThoughtBot. There's not the same constraints you would have if you were at a startup for that was just FormKeep, for example. Right, totally. And that makes it somewhat of an artificial environment that within ThoughtBot, within the context of our experience, we have no, that if that's the A, we have no B on the A-B test. Like right. we don't know what it would be like if we were to just say, hey, we're going to spin this out. It's going to be its own thing. It's going to be its own startup, right. whatever. We've never done that before. Mm-hmm. That probably makes sense. to try, It probably makes sense to try the B, mm-hmm. especially with a consulting business being so mature and successful. I feel like it's hard to get to gain purchase in a certain sense where it's like it's hard to make a number that matters to the company revenue-wise unless you're really blowing up a product. Yeah. But if you're on your own, it's like, wow, every $1,000 is actually a huge deal because that's lets us do new things. Yep. And I don't know, I really genuinely am not sure how to bridge those two gaps. The result of doing that might be that it fails. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise, a good product that will be just fine gets put in a position where it's forced to Mm. fail because it can't exist on its own. So that's the alternative or potential alternative. Right. I think we've struggled in part because we've talked uh, at ThoughtBot a lot about the reason why we build the products is because we want to work on the products, not because we're trying to build a successful business Mm -hmm. out of them all the time. Mm -hmm. So we're not able to make those decisions because the primary motivator is not to make more money or to have a successful business out of the product. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're faced with a decision about what might we do, we err on the side of what would be most fulfilling rather than what might be the best business decision. Mm-hmm. Now, there are good things with with that as well. <laughs> totally. But I think when it comes to products, there are probably some downsides. Yeah. Like it, was, it, was mostly, it was a very nice environment to learn in, but it's, po- it's possible that additional pressure would have led to greater success because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is kind of a do or die thing have to make make this work yeah so maybe the lack of someone you know that you could look up to and learn from Mm -hmm. in terms of products that may have been okay if you were in a startup scenario Mm. where you had to do it for yourself Mm -hmm. and it was limited resources and and all that stuff Mm -hmm. because that would be i think fairly typical yeah i guess so so that's maybe it was heightened because you didn't have that right (laughs) <laughs> pressure the, the forcing function yeah right. yep i don't know hmm. 
And that's not to say that, again, I, I don't think this has been a failure. <laughs> that's high and, praise. And, Thank you. And you did it. No, I, just, I mean the structure that we had of working on products. I don't, I don't think that that is a failure, but I also think that there are downsides to it. And yeah. now it makes sense to try something new as you're leaving. So yeah. like, we're not keeping this position. We're not just promoting someone blindly and saying, this is a position that exists at ThoughtBot and we need to fill it. Right. I think it's worthwhile to consider alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and now's a good time to do it because you're leaving. So uh, what we're doing for now is sort of reverting the power back to the individual products and saying each product gets the time that it can afford to have and there's going to be a product manager on each one and we'll make decisions sort of without someone overseeing all of them and we'll see how that goes for the time being Mm -hmm. i i think that that's somewhat of a transition Mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens from there but that feels right for right now particularly because i think one of the things like you were able to do some concrete specific changes on hound like hey, we're going to do a pricing change. Mm-hmm. But the Hound team was not in Boston. It was distributed. And really, like, you didn't really talk to them. You didn't get a chance to work with them very often. Right. So that was even further isolating, even further. Like, I know it felt, correct me if I'm wrong, uncomfortable to you to tell people what to do when you didn't work with them all the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's harder to come in and, and do that. Yeah. Uh, not especially not in person or when you're right. not in person mm-hmm. and I, I didn't i didn't even do the pricing change right yeah you just came up with it yeah. and then saw it through right basically yep i was doing more and more of that as time went on mm-hmm. which was i wouldn't say it was, was a mistake but it wasn't as fun as it could have been i guess yeah i wish i had stayed a little more in the code day to day those were like my best days generally we're like i'm just gonna do this myself yeah so you have been in the current position that you're in for how long? I think we started up. I mean, I started working on Upcase, like the post Upcase. You mean like where I was doing form? No, where you weren't working on consulting. Full time. Uh, I think four years. So that means that you were doing consulting for two years, right? And I, I remember at one point way back, there was some thread where you said that you had never worked on a a certain kind of project before. Like, I forget what it was. Like a startup client or something like that. It surprised me. Hmm. And I realized that in the time that you had been working on consulting, you know, in two years, it was assuming we're doing rotations regularly, you're working on six projects or something like that. It was definitely not that many. But yeah. I think it was like two or three. Right. Yeah. I think it's probably a little different now. Yeah. It also may have been a little less than Mm -hmm. two years. It may have Mm -hmm. been like 18 months or yeah, 18 months. Now you you were asking to move into products and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. so we made that happen. Mm-hmm. But you had a real talent for the things that make Thoughtbot successful on the consulting side mm-hmm. as well, in terms of talking to people, teaching people, mentorship, uh, speaking, which is really good marketing, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I don't know how you feel about this, but like, do you wish that you had done that a little bit longer in retrospect? Mm. Not really. Mm-hmm. I was looking for the the new challenge, and products satisfied that. I think I don't think I would have stayed here nearly as long if I had done as much consult or like if I'd stayed on consulting. Yeah, 
Yeah, it might not have been a bad idea to do a little bit of it, like here and there. Yeah, just to kind of break up the time. Yeah, which we we talked about. I think if I had to do it over again, mm-hmm. that is probably what I would tweak. I would say, yeah, you you're gonna work on upcase. I think upcase was the first, thing, but then put a specific time mm-hmm. limit on it mm-hmm. and say that's gonna be four months or six months or whatever it is, and then you're gonna go back onto a consulting project. And I think we should have done the same thing with Chris mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Time box it. Time box it. Mm. And it doesn't need to be, I think one of the reasons why, this is all in retrospect, and I, you yeah. know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. But I think the right time there is probably six months. Mm. And for us, in making those decisions, we would always think of a much shorter timeline. Because when we do rotations and all that kind of stuff, we're all always thinking on the order of three months, four months, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that, the right time would have been six months mm-hmm. and then say, you're going to go back onto a client project for one rotation. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you won't go back onto products after that, right? but it would have potentially given other people more opportunities to work on products. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also maybe would have kept you more involved with the rest of the company right. all along the way. Who knows, though? Yeah, who knows? Might have been a good tweak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it could be. Once I got on products, I did, did not want to you go to back to consulting. Yeah, yeah. I remember we talked about it a few times, and I was like, eh. Right. But it might have been good for me after all. Well, I think it's one of those things where we sometimes make choices that are not the best. Again, you don't know what's good or what's bad, really. You're just doing what you think is right. Totally. Or fulfill, most fulfilling. It's sort of like, I, this is a, a trivial example, but like, there's all this info now about how open offices are bad, right? Mm-hmm. But like... We didn't say we're going to have open offices and like we had an office where there was a bunch of private offices and an open area mm-hmm. and everyone eventually opted to move out of their private offices and into the open area mm. and sit together in an open area. Mm-hmm. And everyone said that that was better and felt better and felt more collaborative and all this stuff. That doesn't mean they were making the right decision for right. overall productivity. Right. Just seemed just, good. It just seemed good. Yeah. That, yeah, life. I think life is full of that. Right. Things that like feel slow but are fast, for example. Mm-hmm. Like doing it this way is harder and takes longer. Yes, but like over the long term, it's faster. But like your initial reaction is like, yeah, why would I write tests or documentation or things like that? Yeah. Any lessons that you have learned? I mean, a million of them. <laughs> I feel like all my lessons are from my time with ThoughtBot, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I would summarize that. Yeah. That sounds like a good blog post I would have to ruminate on for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> remember when you did the art of vim <laughs> yes that, <laughs> i made that you wear a costume intro. yeah yep a smoking jacket that's still probably the creepiest thing that i've ever participated in in a certain sense yeah that interest is still there you can still subscribe to upcase yeah if you want to see that hashtag marketing <laughs> if you want to see me in a smoking jacket yeah sort of lost the fire for it but upcase i think has the like least achievement to potential or the, the ratio yeah. is the most out of whack there. I wish I still wanted to work on it more because I think there was more we could, there was a lot more to do with it. Yeah. And it fits within ThoughtBot really well. Yeah. So the issue is, is in every case where someone has worked on it for a year or two, mm-hmm. then they don't want to work on it anymore. And I right. think, so that was like me and then you and then Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, it's not that we don't like it. It's just, in any scenario, so this is why I've been able to do ThoughtBot for four, almost 14 years. Mm-hmm. And why you were able to do it for six was because every two or three years, <laughs> we want to do something new. Yeah. And ThoughtBot is a pretty good platform for 
doing something new. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing inherently wrong with after a year or two or three years working on a piece, wanting to do something new. Yeah, That's totally okay. And so what we should do is build some resiliency into the process. Right. And that's also, um, when we do rotations on client projects, we don't rotate after a significant period of time. We rotate early and often to keep things fresh and interesting before they hit the curve of going down the slope. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather, it's like <laughs> it's like Seinfeld going out on top, right? It's like, you know, you want to end when things are good so that you don't have to go down <laughs> the path of things no longer being good. Totally. So again, I don't have the answers and there's no grand vision that we've worked out, but I think doing three months on a product is too short. A year is probably too long, mm-hmm. but being more aggressive about this is what you're working on now and you will move on either on a set timeline or that it be it being okay that that happens. Mm-hmm. Also, it's tough to pay someone a full salary in Boston or anywhere, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That's one of those um, things that makes it hard. Like if you, like we said a bunch of times, like if you were working on FormKeep as a startup, you wouldn't make a six-figure salary <laughs> right? <laughs> or even close. It's one of those things where it's like every time you bring someone onto a project, it's like, wow, that's there goes all the money. Right. And I, was, I assume that that happens normally, but presumably in like the startup land, it's like you're compensated with options and paid less. and Yeah, or you, have, you don't need to operate profitably. Hmm, right. Because you've taken a bunch of investment and you don't need to operate profitably. Hmm. That sounds easy. I bet I, I bet I could make a lot of businesses and not operate profitably. Yeah. Yeah. And people do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know if you need help with that. <laughs> Just email me. So when you you mentioned this in your post to the company, you want to like, so what was ThoughtBot like when you started? <laughs> well, when I started, there were, I think, 16 or 17 people. Mm-hmm. There were no products. I think actually there was Airbrake or Airbrake, Airbrake was sold within like a month of me joining or something yeah, there. Yeah. So effectively no product. Mm-hmm. There were no managing directors. There were no directors at all, actually. It was just like developer, designer, and a couple C-level people. Mm-hmm. There was no um, other offices. <laughs> it was just Boston. Right. It, was a, it was a very different world in the beginning. The current office had just opened and just been moved into. Okay. Uh, and yeah, we used to go to Cape Cod every year. <laughs> that was my first week was the Cape Cod yeah. vacation week, effectively. Mm-hmm. That was pretty fun. So ThoughtBots now about 100 people across mm-hmm. seven studios. Mm-hmm. One thing we've tried to do is, you know, I believe that you can be more sustainable, more fulfilling if you have fairly close relationships. Like you can only have so many relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've tried to keep the local feeling of what ThoughtBot is right. to Boston or whatever. Like how different does ThoughtBot feel in Boston? In then. Boston. The biggest thing in Boston is that the office is really empty during the yeah. early parts of the week. Mm-hmm. We used to, I think, refuse to go to client offices, or like at least mostly. It, it seemed to never happen back when I was consulting. Um, or if it was, it was like it would be like a day a week. Mm-hmm. But these days, like Monday, Tuesday, and some and Wednesday are off. Like there's maybe four people in the office sometimes. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest change. So I guess if I were going to a client office too, I wouldn't notice that. Yeah. But since I was here, it was kind of like. Is there anyone? Does anyone work here? Right. We never refused. That wasn't what happened. Mm-hmm. I think we just had a different, like Rails is, and the work we do is mm-hmm. much more mature now. Right. We still work with startups. And when we do, they're often in our office. Mm. 
but it wasn't really an option to work with mid-size startups before. Mm -hmm. The kinds of companies that we worked with that had significant teams and significant offices before, like we didn't work with them because they were using .NET or Java. They wouldn't have been our clients, even if they were totally reasonable to work with and, and that kind of thing. Right. So now the, there's this tier of clients that we work with that aren't big enterprises. They're just reasonable sized companies. They have their own office. Right. And so what we try to do is strike a balance and do two days a week in their office, two, do, two days a week in our office, mm -hmm. and invite them to come to our office when we're working out of it in the same way that we're going to their office. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's you know the office is super empty. And it's funny because when we do have a startup client coming in who's going to work in our office alongside the team, it's like, how many desks are available? It seems like there's lots of desks available. And it's like, no, there's two, three desks available. Hmm. There's a bunch of people here and it seems like there's lots of desks available, but there, there's actually not. Um, there's a bunch of people that work in the office, just not all the time. Yeah. Two days, you know, three days a week. Yeah. So that certainly is a change. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, like, so like I'm trying to think about the things that contributed to me feeling like more isolated. And some mm -hmm. of it was just also like just turnover. Whereas like people I liked and knew for years just left and, and went somewhere else. Yeah. And then the new people that showed up, I never did a project with. Right. So it's like they're working on somewhere else, something else, somewhere else. Uh, and I've only known them for 10 months or whatever. And it's just like, eh, we're just not as close as someone I've known for years and done projects with. Yeah. That was the biggest thing I noticed. Mm -hmm. How has it been, even though we're, you know, relatively geographically centered around the studio that we each work in, how has it been going from one team that's about 17 people to having all of the different thought about being bigger yeah basically i kind of hadn't hasn't really impacted mm -hmm. me i would say mm -hmm. i would say you almost i haven't almost noticed in mm -hmm. a sense you had to do expense the expense that did change, change. <laughs> yes yeah my life is so hard but yeah having to do, do, do expense reports i actually spent a fair amount of time in tally i gotta say like maybe that's just the best way to do it and you gotta just gotta deal with it and i'm just whiny but mm -hmm. every time I did that, I was like, why am I spending time on this? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Because just the offices operate so independently, it kind of had no impact to me. It was like once a year we would see everybody. And I was like, oh, yeah, these are like the, yeah, you're like my cousins that I don't really talk to. We're <laughs> <laughs> like related, but I don't know who you are really. Mm -hmm. I think people always have different experiences. But oh, yeah. that might be, we do some cross office work. And so there are people right. in Boston and in elsewhere who are working with each other on projects. And so they have a different relationship than you would to them. Yeah, I remember dropping in a handful of into offices when I was traveling sometimes. Mm -hmm. That happened a couple times. Does each office, it feels like ThoughtBot when you go into an office? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, the, the decor is similar. Yeah. <laughs> sort of have a, a theme going on. It was interesting. So I was there at the start of the Denver office. Mm -hmm. I think I felt closest to that mm -hmm. studio, I guess, because... I was like, I remember I basically reached out to Desi and was like, hey, like, do you want me to come give a talk and try to like start yeah. generating some interest and talk to some people? And so I actually like spent a few days there and met some folks. So that was, uh, that was kind of nice. See, that that's something that you could have done more of. Totally. But it, it's a job, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you wanted that job, you could have done it. Yeah. It, I think it's a need that we have. Yeah, I think like developer evangelist yeah. is kind of like, is one of those things that like, Twi I remember seeing Twilio had a post, mm -hmm. had a, a job, maybe they still have that job, that's still a thing. But I remember reading that job description like five years ago and being like, I'd just be a good fit for it. Yeah. Traveling a lot. Is... Well, so there was a period of time where you were, yeah. and it's totally reasonable because I went through a similar thing where I spoke at like 
I don't know, six conferences or something in one year. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's enough. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I had one year where I did a lot. It was yeah. maybe 10. Uh, and they were like international. So I was all over mm-hmm. the place. And I, I remember flying internationally like twice in one month and being like, wow, this is kind of a lot actually. It was great. Like I loved, I liked that time. But eventually I was like, I'm going to stay. I'm going to move away from this because it's sometimes it's nice to be home. Yeah. So I think the lesson here is things change. <laughs> nothing yeah. Like nothing is sustainable forever. Yeah, totally. And like even me at ThoughtBot, which has been in the grand scheme of things, essentially forever. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not the same. It's not, I'm not doing the same job. And you have to groom that. You have to try. You have to take the initiative to realize that you need to change something. And I think that you've done that pretty successfully while you've been here. Mm-hmm. And now you're at the end of that. And the next way to change that you feel is to move on. And like, that's okay. And I, I have this line that I started to say, which is, I don't expect that everyone will stay at ThoughtBot forever, but mm-hmm. I want to be the kind of company where you could. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Like, I, I believe that people can change their job and change what they're doing and change their environment here. That is a really good platform for totally. doing that. But okay. I also believe that there are going to be times where it's time to move on. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I told you last time we talked that like six years basically is forever. Yeah. It, like in this industry and, and to me in particular, mm-hmm. where like I, I need change. Uh, so, and that's definitely a testament to the flexibility. Like I just, every time I would be like, I want to do this crazy thing. And you'd be like, cool, go, yeah. go, go do it. I think we can make that work. Just about, I mean, I think just about everything I pitched, you said yes to. So, and I think that's why it was, it was so fresh for so long. So if you want to be the next Ben Ornstein, <laughs> you just got to make a really nice conference talk uh-huh. called refactoring from great to even greater. <laughs> oh, one up me on that. Picks up where my talk leaves off. Yeah. It's a sequel. No, but we are hiring in Boston. Oh yeah. Developers yeah. Yeah. and designers, I imagine. Yep. How come no one can find designers? Why is it so hard? We have a hard time yeah, because everybody does. we are asking designers to do a specific thing that is not 100% common. We don't have front-end developers. And mm-hmm. designers do great visual design and user experience. They also implement their own work, and they meet the developers in the front-end who meet the designers and work collaboratively with them and take everything over from back there. So designers that can do both the visual design that we're looking for and product design design, and then implement that work as a not throwaway code, but real production, HTML and SAS. And it's a high bar. It's a, it's a lot. So it it takes something that's hard to begin with, which is finding really good designers and Mm. makes it even harder. Mm -hmm. Back when we were 15 people or something like that, we went two years without hiring a designer. Wow. It's funny. I guess I'm spoiled by my exposure to the designers here. But to me, yeah. like that's what a web designer does is yeah. like visual product and HTML, CSS. Right. And like I bumped into somebody. Did I, I don't think I talked about this here. I submit. I was like looking for a designer to like overhaul my personal site and got a quote from some, like we went through the whole like quoting process mm-hmm. and the deliverable was going to be like PSDs or something. Yep. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, oh, you need HTML and CSS? Oh, well, we can like have somebody else do that. I was like, no, that's your job. And I was kind of shocked. It's funny. I brought this up in a Slack channel I hang out in or Slack team I hang out in. And 
there was an interesting divide. Some people were like, no, that's that's not what a designer does. They provide, they produce the things, and then someone like a front-end developer does it. And yeah. a couple of us were like, no, that's table stakes. You have to. Like, yeah. You're not a web designer until you can actually use the medium. Yeah. I mean, this is one of our beliefs. And I wholeheartedly admit that not everyone believes this. And that's yeah. what makes it a belief as opposed <laughs> to a fact. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I think you're in trouble. Honestly, yeah. if you don't, if you're not on this side of the belief, honestly, like fields tend to get more competitive over time. And if you are like, yeah, I can produce these things, but I can't actually f- take it the rest of the way. I think. You're, yeah. That okay. With that, with that, that I precarious. agree with you. I, I was more saying from a team structure standpoint, like I believe that the way that we work is better mm-hmm. because there's fewer handoffs right. uh, and faster iteration because you can go the person having the picture in their head of what it's going to look like can just make it happen yeah and then you, they don't need to always do mock-ups and get a pro- like right they can just be like hey i did this thing mm-hmm. <laughs> take a look at it so that's good but i i've also seen there are some very successful teams that create segmentation and have front-end developers and mm. that kind of stuff yeah but the way i view it is and there's a really good blog post on the Giant Robots blog called Blurred Lines that Kyle did. And it's just a tool. So in the same way that as developers, we believe test-driven development is a practice and a tool that we have, like RSpec and that, that kind of thing, like to build products and build software the way that we want to build it. Mm-hmm. Being able to execute your own work as a designer is a similar thing. It's not the thing you're going for. You're, you don't care about front-end development and creating great HTML and CSS because you care about HTML and CSS. You care about creating great products mm-hmm. and great software. And that is one of the tools that you use to be able to do it in the same way that you use Photoshop. Like It is a tool that mm-hmm. you're using to execute on your thing, and you, you got to be able to take this tool. I'm, I'm using Sketch or I'm using Photoshop, and the next tool that I use to execute on my design uh-huh. is HTML and CSS. The same way that as a developer, I don't, we I, have our tools. I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Actually, like to me, it's that's not a tool. That's the deliverable. Like if I were just an architect, and, and my deliverable were diagrams of how I thought you should build a Rails app, mm-hmm. like that's not useless. But it's way less useful, right? Where like I can't, I can't take it the rest of the way to right. actually create a good thing. Yeah. And to me, that that feels like a, like on the design side, a very precarious position to be in. Like you're. Yeah, I think we're actually saying the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Which is you have like if you can't execute. <laughs> yeah. Then you're not effectively doing the job. Yeah. So to me, that's not a t- executing isn't a tool. That's essential. Okay. I guess is how. Yeah. Well, that's because tools. You need tools to be able to do your work. Okay. So it's like, um, let's use Vim as an example. Vim is a let's. yeah. Vim is a tool, right? Uh huh. So you believe that you should be really good at Vim, mm-hmm. but that is not the purpose. Like the reason why you believe you should be good at Vim isn't solely just because you believe you should be good at Vim. Yes, it's the faster and better you are with your editor, the better you are able to execute on your ideas and make something that works. Sure, that's what I mean. I can buy that. Even just from like a simple, like like a numbers thing, like you said, if there is someone that can do your job plus the next job, <laughs> that's, be scared. Right. That would worry me. Mm-hmm. The developer plus designer thing is so rare that that doesn't worry me so much. Like I'm okay being like, I'm not that great at the visual part of this. But I don't know, if I were like a visual design only person, and it's like, the, by the way, there's this, this person next to me can do that part. And then the next part, I'd be like, right. I, how am I going to find work? 
Right. So. Now there are people who just in the interest of there are people who believe that they don't do it as good. Right. So like they say by specializing in visual design and only doing that, I'm way better at it. Sure. Than yeah. you are. Yeah, that could be. And there maybe are amazing I think architects. They're wrong. Yeah. Like a lot of what they actually produce is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm skeptical as well. But I believe that people make that argument because that's that's what you would do if you want to justify yourself. There's also dyna- different dynamics too, which is like on certain size products, on certain size teams, a certain amount of specialization is necessary to be able to execute an overall vision. Mm-hmm. Like we're working on a, a big project now that involves a lot of moving pieces. We're building essentially two websites simultaneously and not everyone can work on every single piece, but that doesn't mean that everyone can't. It just means for this executing this project as a team, we have to segment a little bit. Mm-hmm. We need to say like, hey, for right now, you focus on this part. I'm going to focus on this part and our pieces are going to come together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay too. Um, but to say like, no, I just don't even, I don't even do that. Yeah. That would be like, <laughs> I'm just trying to put it in terms of like developer. Like that would be like saying, I don't do the database. Right. Exactly. And like there are just not going to be as effective. Exactly. And there are niches where like where the complexity gets high enough that you need specialists in there. Mm -hmm. Like like the division between like you're okay with the fact that the architect for your house doesn't swing a hammer. Like there are times where those those divisions make sense. And like a person can produce a thing that they can't actually manifest into reality. Mm -hmm. But this doesn't feel like one of those places where that should be true. So just learn the HTML. It's not that hard. (laughs) I would say that's the easier part, right? Uh, we do a good job of making it difficult. (laughs) Like browsers are really crappy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we now have like SAS and all of the tooling around compiling to CSS. Would you rather take a great product designer and teach them HTML and CSS or the other way around? Oh, we've shown that it's very difficult to do it the other way around. Yeah. Like, which... I'm not saying you can't teach visual design. It just takes way longer Mm. to teach someone to the level of visual design. So we have a really good track record in the apprenticeship of taking people who are good visual designers and care about usability and user experience and are talented in that regard or experienced in that regard and want to be able to implement their own work, teaching them that in like a three-month period and get them to the point of a ThoughtBot designer. Mm. So yeah, my point stands. Yes. Just, Just learn it. Yeah, just on the HTML and CSS. Um, we've been going on. This might be the longest podcast episode we've ever done. Oh, that's going to be another thing. As I listen to a lot of two-hour-long podcasts. Oh yeah. So the no, <laughs> two hours the new minimum. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. Cool. Well, we should probably wrap up. But thanks for like all these good years of awesome work. This yeah. Was likewise. F- yeah. Thank you. Like by far the best job I've ever had. I kind of can't believe I stayed this long. So like to me, that's a testament. Uh, and working with you has been awesome. I really enjoyed yeah. it. And great job on the podcast. It's been just shy of four years. Yeah. The first episode was June 11th, 2012. Uh, we're just shy of longer than more. Uh, f- we're just shy of five years. Five years. Yeah. Oh, that's math. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> there's math. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's been a trip too. I mean, I didn't also did not anticipate the podcast. Do you remember how the conversation went? Yes, like I, very I, clearly. <laughs> you were like, Hey, uh, we're going to start a podcast. I think you'd be a good host. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. And you're like, why? And I was like, because it's not going to make any money. And I want to make money on my investment time. Because mm-hmm. I was, this is before products. And I was yeah. like, excited about bringing in more revenue. Oh, and I was like, I don't, it's not going to make money. And I don't want to edit it and like handle mm-hmm. scheduling guests. And you're like, uh, someone else is going to edit it and, and schedule guests. And maybe we can get ads. And I was like, oh, okay. 
I don't does, remember does that, the that... making money part. Okay. But that totally makes sense. And yeah. it's funny because then when we eventually did ads, you didn't want to do them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't stand them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I definitely remember being kind of skeptical. Yeah. And then like after four or five, I was like, oh, we're getting huge names in the industry on here. And now I'm friendly with them. Like mm-hmm. this is working super well for me. And it turned out it's really fun to interview people about interesting things. Yeah. This has been doing this a long time. Not, I don't do a lot of things for this long. So another solid win. Well, I realize I can stop listening to this podcast once I start hosting it because there'll be another one that I can listen to. Sure, there you which go. Which is your podcast and that, that you're continuing with, Derek. That's right. And that'll be artofpodcast.com. Art of product. Art of, uh, art of product podcast. podcast. Yes. Okay. Artofproductpodcast.com. Or just type in art of product in your favorite podcast viewer <laughs> because that's how you view podcasts. Yeah. What podcast viewer, viewer? do you use? Uh, I'm an Overcast fan. Yeah, me too. Die hard. Nothing comes close. Come yeah. on. Yeah. If you're not, what do you do? If you're it? not using Overcast, you should. Yeah. Use coupon do you, do you code. Listen at use 1X coupon code Art of Product for zero percent off. Do I listen to what I said? No. Nothing. What do you listen? Uh, it depends who it is, oh, but okay. probably. I mean, I turn on Smart Speed. Yep. With shortened silences, and then I probably I'm like average probably one point seven, like just past the middle mm-hmm. somewhere in there. I used to listen at 1x because I think that that's the pure nature of <laughs> yes. the, the medium. I'm surprised you don't burn them on vinyl and then do it that way. <laughs> I do. I oh, you, have a, you do have a, a backpack turntable. record player. That's yeah. excellent. Anti-shock uh, technology. So, but then I up the speed to move through things qu- more quickly. And once you do that, you get used to it. Yeah. So every once in a while, I'll be playing a podcast on like a speaker and my wife will walk in the room right. yep. and she'll be like, what are you listening to? Totally. It's driving me crazy. Same. No, I have a, a roommate, but I'll put on like a podcast on the Alexa and like, he doesn't say anything, but I'm self-conscious. I'm like, this sounds crazy. Like, and he's like, I, I feel like a crazy person listening to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, one time I was on a plane and really bored and I pulled up an old giant robots that you and I did together. Mm-hmm. And I put it at like 0.5x, which was an option in like the <laughs> Apple podcast player. And we sound wasted. <laughs> it's amazing how just like slowing it down. You're like, and that's why we opened another office. And I was laughing so hysterically at this, like picturing you being like totally drunk on the podcast. So maybe try that with this one. Uh, yeah, if, you, if you've gotten to this point, go back to the beginning, put it at 0.5. Yeah. Yeah, you listen to the whole thing again. It only takes <laughs> Even three hours. Even slower this time. Maybe no, Tom- no, we're going to edit this down into a nice tight 30 minutes. <sighs> Good luck, Tom. Uh, you could do a drop-in right here, Tom, of, of Chad speaking slowly, sounding drunk, just for a sample. That's a drop. A drop. Do a drop. That's an industry term. Yeah. I learned that recently. No, no, we're going to edit this down into a nice tight 30 minutes. Yeah, so, yeah, thanks. Thanks to everyone for listening and to you and all of ThoughtBot. It's been a hell of a run. Thanks. Let's wrap it up, I guess. Yeah. If you'd like to access... Uh, no, do we need a Tom pun? Do you have a Tom pun? This is on you now. Uh, no, this is something that will not be continuing yeah, on my tenure good. I, By the way, one of my biggest lessons from ThoughtBot, don't <laughs> commit to a thing you have to do every uh, Okay, so the, no, don't name a show the weekly iteration. Hell no. Don't commit to doing a different Tom pun every week. Like doing a podcast every week is fine, but man, yeah. it's those recurring commitments that kill you. Yeah. Never again. All right. So I'm just going to say Tom's name straight this time. Okay. Uh, today's show was produced and edited by the wonderful Tom Obarski. Thank you, Tom, for all of this. I will miss you. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 240. Thanks for listening.
please don't unsubscribe. The podcast <laughs> is not ending. <laughs> but please do subscribe to my podcast. Yes. Please Just do. so we're clear. Yeah. You have one more podcast to listen to. You do not but, have one less podcast to listen to. <laughs> Correct. Please take this assignment very seriously. <laughs> this is important to both of us.